Back in here, Chiefs extended coverage here on 610 Sports Radio. The Odyssey app, however you choose to listen, we appreciate you taking time out of your Saturday afternoon to listen to us. Uh, I am uh, Chris Nocero, JT Noah, out here doing all the hard work on the other side of the glass. And right now, we are joined by my co-host from the Character Concerns podcast, Jay Binkley. Bink, how are you feeling? Just a little oh, bit over 24 hours away from the Super Bowl that the Chiefs will play in. You know, feeling good. It just it just feels good to, you know, be in the game. You know, instead of organizing a, yeah. a watch party for some other team that you don't really care about. And you think, oh, the Chiefs are never going to get there. And you think about that drought. Uh, I'm 50 year old and uh, never seen a Super Bowl until uh, this run at uh, back in 2019. So um, it took a while. It took a while, but it was worth the wait. Yeah, I know. It, you waited a lot longer than I did. Uh, I I came into the game a lot later than you did. But you both wait. I had to, you both <laughs> waited longer than I did. Yeah, we did. We did. Okay. I, I'm not that much older than you, JT. But yeah, Bing, Bing got you got got you got you by a few decades there. But uh, a lot of lean years. A lot of lean years. Like I said, <laughs> you never you never get too used to it. Uh, this one, uh, this one, uh, like I said, it just never gets old. Would, would this one be, I, I know for me, it would be the most enjoyable Super Bowl win. Should yeah. they win tomorrow night? Would this be the one, be the one for you just because of that path of having to go on the road and face all of these teams at their house? You know, I think so, Chris. I think so. And, you know, head canaries, Tony caught it. It's, not giving that ball to Brian Branch and the Lions to get a pick <laughs> six in game one or lining up offsides. You know, they play Baltimore at Arrowhead Stadium. He said a better conference record at nine and three. But it's kind of good looking back on it, thinking, all right, they went to Miami. They went to Buffalo. They were to see they had Miami come in. They went to Buffalo and Baltimore. That's number two, four, and six scoring offenses in the NFL. And if they beat the 49ers, that's three. So they'll beat in two, three, four, and six scoring offense. It's incredible. Uh, you know what they're what they're what they're able to accomplish, and it, it's been fun to watch. But yeah, it is satisfying if the team went on the road. It'll be more satisfying, I think, because the naysayers, because they were out there. People were still picking the Chargers before the season, and then all of a sudden, people started liking the Denver Broncos once they beat the Chiefs, and everybody kept putting the Chiefs down ever since that Detroit game, really. But for them to actually be in the big game when they quote had a down year is impressive. I think that's a that's actually a really good stat you brought. You always you always have these stats, uh, bringing up about the the scoring offenses that the Chiefs have beaten. What I, I talked last segment about oh, a couple seconds ago about how great the Chiefs defense is and how I think it's probably going to go underappreciated should they win tomorrow. Put into context, just how great of an accomplishment it is to play these this level of offense in the league with this defense and go out there and win and win on the road in neutral site like yeah. they, like they have I think in, in in history perspective when you look at the Chiefs defense it'll get start getting more and more respect as the years go and they haven't given up more than 27 points. They're the only team in the National Football League that didn't give up 30 points this year. Uh, Really, since game one, they've just been incredible in getting better. And here's the thing about it, and this is why historically we're going to look back on it and think, man, that was the start of something good for this team. It might be part of their identity. Uh, Youngest defense in the NFL. It's the youngest defense in the NFL, and there were 61 starts last year by rookies. Um, That was third most in the NFL. The top two teams that had the main rookie starts picked one and two in the draft. 
But, yeah, Pacheco and other guys were on there, too, from the offensive side. But a lot of defensive starters, you had five rookie defensive backs in that game, the Fab Five uh, for the Chiefs. But, yeah, it's, it's, you know, they had an MVP quarterback. They had an all-world quarterback in Patrick Mahomes to get the best play caller in the NFL, Andy Reid. But when you look at this Chiefs team of 2023-24, it's about the defense. And for them, the shine is amazing. It's also amazing that Steve Spagnuolo was not even on the list not even a finalist, because all the finalists are at home watching the Super Bowl on their couch eating Cheetos. Steve Spagnuolo wasn't even on the list for uh, best assistant coaches in the NFL. That was ludicrous. We're talking to Jay Binkley from uh, Character Concerns Podcast, among other things, brought to you by Spice and Foods, the official source, official sauces of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, what do you make of the Chiefs embracing this villain role that they've kind of come into as they were doing Super Bowl opening night and throughout the week and you're hearing all these chorus of boos coming from fans? Like, how do you, you kind of make the Chiefs embracing that villain role that they've taken on? Well, we, I like it. It's embraced. Hey, this team loves chips on the shoulder. I remember in 2014, you know, when the Royals were kind of America's darling and they got to the World Series. And I remember that next year, that offseason, they couldn't find anybody saying anything bad about them. And they kept trying and searching. Finally, Christian Colon, I remember, came on the drive and um, was talking about that and the, the fact that they found somebody wrote a negative article on them and they used it. They couldn't find much, but they find it. Nick Saban calls it rat poison because uh, his team is always hearing how good they are. When they hear how bad they are, he likes that. He likes that edge that it gives those players at Alabama – and I think the Chiefs, they draw from it as well. And they're a close-knit group, and they fly out on a plane together, stay in a hotel together, and just kind of bond. It's kind of a, them against the world. And being the villain is good because it means you're good. It means that uh, the jealousy is running rampant in the NFL. And it's what we saw a lot of with the Patriots, to be honest with you. And that's that's not, not a bad thing. It would happen to any team in the NFL if they had sustained success. It just – People just don't want to see somebody being good for more than a year or two. They just don't want to do it. They always want change and want something different. But the Chiefs are aggravating them because you look at this team, you're like, where are they going? They're only going to get better. They've got a bunch of salary cap money next year, especially when Mahomes restructures. They already were $29 million under the cap. They're going to have a bunch of money. They're, quote, already did their reload. Now it's just adding all these pieces and weapons and becoming even a better football team. And, oh, now they have a defense to go along with Patrick Mahomes' arm at quarterback and Andy Reid as head coach. They're a scary team. because <laughs> I don't know if people spend all their money to go to Vegas in the Super Bowl, but might as well start saving those pennies a little bit because I think they're going to be back and back and back. One of the interesting things I've kind of seen uh, in regards to the 49ers, you kind of you, – last week we heard – not only Jed York, but Nick Bosa talking about holding from the, the tackles yeah. for the Chiefs. And then you get them complaining about the field and it's soft. And then you kind of hear earlier this week the Chiefs running a fully padded practice in the rain out there mere days before the Super Bowl. How, what's that dichotomy? What does it kind of feel like as far as the dichotomy goes between the Chiefs embracing that villain role and then out yeah, here having seems, full of practices. And yeah. then you get the Niners out here complaining and, and yeah. about everything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And the chiefs are real careful about saying, Oh, we love the facilities and all that. They're doing it because the 49ers are complaining. That's, that's a soft team. That's the softest Charmin, Charmin team. They were complaining about the fire alarms going off. It was like they had to wake up like 10 minutes earlier. 
guess what? This happens to a lot of kids in college. It happens to a ton of kids, a ton <laughs> yes, of teens yes. that go play in college. The fire alarm is one of the oldest tricks in the book. And then to sit there and make, oh, it must have been a parent or a fan. Who cares? Who, who knows who it was? Um, but, again, it's 10 minutes before practice. Chiefs wouldn't even whine. You wouldn't have even known about it had it happened to the Chiefs. And the field conditions. UNLV's got great facilities out there. They just put them in. They wanted grass on top of that turf. Last year, it's the way it goes. It alternates. Last year, the Chiefs had to practice at Arizona State, and the Philadelphia Eagles got the Cardinals practice facility, which is much better than the uh, Arizona State facility where the Chiefs were. But they didn't complain. Like, they didn't say anything about it. It just – it's funny because there are so many haters out there. Like, the Chiefs always got the bad calls. They're right in the middle of the NFL as far as penalties are concerned. And people didn't watch – the MBS game, or they didn't watch a couple games ago where they had a touchdown taken off the board because of Juwan Taylor. They don't watch those things. They didn't make sense. Oh, they fumbled through the end zone. Who cares? But if someone else does, oh, the Chiefs got lucky. It's just amazing the narratives fit just how people want them to fit when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. And if they sit there and watch the award show, not one Chief was mentioned for any awards, AP Rookie of the Year, Defensive uh, Rookie of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, Best Moment, Best Coach, Best Assistant Coach. Best Coach was Kyle Shanahan. You're not supposed to have expectations. They were the the second most Super Bowl odds before the season started, but he finished fourth in Coach of the Year. Andy Reid didn't even finish in the top 11. This is his best year, one of his best years coaching 100% to get this team to the Super Bowl. But for all those people saying all the Chiefs get everything, Watch the NFL award show uh, uh, because they did not sniff a single award, yet they're playing in the Super Bowl. Do you think they're going to use that as a little bit extra motivation? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think they'll use it for motivation because, like, what what, what are we doing here? We've been the four last five Super Bowls. What's the goal here? I mean, we didn't have anybody up for any awards. Does that mean we're just a good team? Does that mean we're a good all-around team with good coaching? But the Chiefs got snubbed. And so it's, it's more than just the people that put the Chiefs as the villain. It's now the Associated Press and the people that vote on these awards. Not not the Associated Press because they're all former players and people in the media and stuff like that. So they use, but they they have a vendetta against the Chiefs, and you can see it uh, when these award shows come down. All right, Bank. Time for a game prediction. Brought to you by Spice and Foods, the official sauces of the Kansas City Chiefs. What is your prediction for how this game goes and your final score? I'm going to go 27-24 Chiefs. Um, just every game, man. It's every game comes down to close with this team. Um, I think they're able to control uh, things. I think they're able to control the line of scrimmage. I liken it last year when the 49ers had the number one defense in the NFL and the Chiefs put 529 yards on them and 44 points. Not going to be that much because it's be more ball control offense with the Chiefs. But they do have good uh, skill position players with San Francisco. But I think Butker makes the difference in 27-24. Still sticking with those Chiefs three-point wins. All right, Bink. I, I, it's funny. It's that kind of seems that's how the last three Super Bowls have gone. Hey. Three point wins. So it's not a bad formula to stick to. As Kansas Jay, City Chiefs 27, Kansas City Chiefs 27, 49ers <laughs> 24. Let's hope it happens. I hope it happens too. That's Jay Actually, Binkley. let's hope it's a blowout. Yeah, let's hope it's a blowout. <laughs> that's Jay Binkley, my co host from Character Concerns. You can listen, download, subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Character Concerns. Tuesday mornings on whatever place you listen to uh, to podcasts on. I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow night when we do the recording.
Oh, well, tomorrow, tomorrow night, night or Monday some, night? Monday night. You, you know what I mean. <laughs> My <laughs> bad. Super Bowl tomorrow, Chris. <laughs> you're right. We're you're right. <laughs> we got a little, little football game tomorrow. You're right. You're right, dog. <laughs> Chris is Monday, like, the Super Bowl. We're I know, recording right? it. Well, uh, yeah. Monday night, we're going to do the recording. And uh, it'll be like, really? Tuesday. <laughs> it's about to panic. I was like, I'm watching the Super Bowl. We're recording a podcast with that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Big. I'll see you in a couple nights. All right, fellas. Take care. That was Jay Binkley. Uh, yeah, make sure you listen, subscribe, download, wherever you listen to podcasts. Character Concerns, me and Bink on there. Uh, why, was, why are you trying to give the old man a heart attack? He was, he was about to panic, man. <laughs> he was about to, like, what? He was about to get as mad as when the TVs were unplugged. I know, yeah. When they, you know, <laughs> he was, yeah, he was He was about to freak out. He was about to text me. What are you, what are you talking about? Like, no, no, it's, it, we're, we record Monday, so. Um, Coming up next, we will replay the interview that CDOT did with Greg Papa, the voice of the San Francisco 49ers, uh, on the drive yesterday from Radio Row. That's next. Buddy, you're a boy, make a big noise, playing in the street, gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face, you big disgrace. Back in here on Chief on the Chiefs extended coverage. Here on 16 Sports Radio, the Odyssey app, every choose to listen. We thank you. Here on this Saturday afternoon, it got cloudy really quickly out there. It was nice and sunny and had the sun shining in here and the windows on the studio. And now it looks very blonde. Welcome to the Midwest. Yeah, that's how it is. You don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes. Um, I heard this interview yesterday as I was driving home from work. Greg Papa, the voice of the San Francisco 49ers, formerly the voice of the Raiders. So it was a little weird a few years ago when he made the switch over to the 49ers. Uh, but he had a very insightful interview with CDOT from the drive from Radio Row. Here it is. Let's take a closer look at this game. Greg Papa, the play-by-play voice of the San Francisco 49ers, joins us on the show today. Greg, we appreciate you taking time to sit down with us. How are you, man? This is a chief radio station? It is. We're good. We're I, good. I'm born and raised I, in I Kansas City. I have great City. respect for the, for the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. And I did the Raiders games for 21 years. So, I, I mean, I was old. The first Super Bowl I remember was Super Bowl Four, And really it was called Super Bowl Four, But the first three they didn't call was the AFL-NFL World Championship. And Lamar Hunt came up, obviously, with Super, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. And I remember that game, you know, 65 toss power trap. First game I ever really watched was them take apart the Vikings 23-7. Did the Raider games for 21 years. And Al Davis had a great hatred for Lamar Hunt. But he was tight with Hank Stram. Hank Stram actually did Raider preseason games on TV for a while, which was kind of odd. So, And now with the Niners, we just saw you guys five seasons ago, four years ago in the in the championship game. So I, I come I come with respect. I come in peace. I have great respect for the Chief Kingdom. I got great respect for San Francisco as a team where Brock Purdy has made 26 starts in his NFL career, and they've won 21 of them. Yeah. This has been the second-best team in the NFL behind Kansas City. Let's start with Brock Purdy because he seems to be one of the more polarizing players in the National Football League. There are some people, you remember they were calling him Joe Montana and Tom Brady at one point this season. There's some people who think he uh, thinks he stinks. You have got a chance to see every pass that Brock Purdy has thrown. How do you feel about San Francisco's young QB? Well, I, I, we, I go back to when he was drafted as the last pick in the draft, and he was drafted in Las Vegas, Nevada, when the draft was here a couple of years ago in 22, and he was the last pick, obviously, Mr. Irrelevant in 262. Now, we could see it right away. Organized team activities, mini camps, training camp, 
whoa, this guy reads progressions. He goes through it, boom, 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 ball out. And then when he got to play in the preseason, you saw it. And then when, you know, Trey Lance got hurt and Jimmy got hurt, he jumped right in in the middle of a game against Miami. They had a cover zero blitz and a third and ten. And he told Kittle, you know, cut your route off a little shorter. You're the hot. They're going to bring cover zero blitz in my face. Got him the ball, and they just roll. And then this year he got hurt last year in the championship game. So um, I love the guy. My nickname for him is Big Brain Brock. Look at the brain on Brock because he's, he's six feet, five eighths of an inch tall. He's got small hands. He doesn't throw the ball the way Patrick does, but he processes information incredibly quickly. His cognitive test, the S2 test they, they give you when you come into the NFL, uh, he scored in the, in the almost 100 percentile, very high 90s, where you know people like Drew Brees, other quick thinkers, I'm sure Patrick is there as well. Now, Patrick has the uber talent and the whippy arm, and Brock has to make up for it by, uh, you know, being ahead of the game, seeing the field, anticipating throws, which he does. So we feel I feel great about him in this game. The games where he struggled, though, take the rain games out when he had our time gripping and ripping it. Teams do come with middle pressure on him. Chris Jones, you know, lining up over our right guard, John Feliciano. And Brock, being a, a right-handed quarterback in the midline behind the center, throws right over the right guard. And then, you know, all of our in-breaking routes, the Kittle over the middle, the Debo dig, the Ayuk slant, the McCaffrey choice route, the Texas route where he cuts it back. I'm sure Nick Bolton and Tranquil and those guys will be choking off the middle. So it'll be a great matchup, obviously, with Brock and his brain. How does he read Spags's post-snap? Not just the pre-snap when they're lining up when they snap the ball, they rock and roll out of that. Will Justin Reed come flying down and make it an eight-man box? Will he go from an eight-man box out and rock and roll out of it? You know, Brock's got to be able to see it pre-snap, get in the right call, and then more importantly, when it's post-snap, now how do they all adjust on what Spags is doing? Right now, we're joined by the play-by-play voice of the San Francisco 49ers taking a closer look at Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. What do you see as a key or maybe the biggest key to a Niners win? Because I'm looking at it, I would have voted for Christian McCaffrey to win MVP. I understand that it is a quarterback award, and Lamar was great down the stretch. But I think from week one until the end of the season, I thought McCaffrey was the best and most consistent player in the league. I think McCaffrey probably needs to have 125 total yards and probably two touchdowns. Like, he needs to win Super Bowl MVP to me for San Francisco to win this game. What keys well, do you I, think are to a San Francisco You're on it. I mean, yeah, but if you're Steve Spagnuolo, what, what's the first thing you're trying to do? Take him out of the Take game. 23 <laughs> out. So we're going to load the box. Now, they, they play a lot of two-man with a two-safety shell high, like I was talking about earlier, with Edwards and Reed, 20 and 21, 21 and 20. Um, but, you know, the Buffalo game, Buffalo ran on Kansas City in the first half. They started to come down, and they've got fast linebackers. You can believe it's those blitzes are not always blitzes on pass plays to sack the quarterback. They're run blitzes. And you bring those two guys, Bolton and Tranquil, they were running back numbers, and they run like running backs. I look at Bolton, he only runs a 4-6. I'm like, damn, I think he's faster than Marcus Allen wearing 32 in red. I mean, they come downhill and they stuff the run. Well, Willie Gay play in this game? So I think Spags is going to shut down the run game especially in the early down, the mixed downs. Now, if Brock sees a loaded box, you know, we run it against loaded boxes too. 
we can go, you know, Kyle Juszczyk, double tights, and just run it at you. And I think we're going to run the ball at Chris Jones in this game. He's a great pass rusher. He's an indifferent run player. When you double team him, he'll stand straight up, and you can ride him out. So I, I think we're going to try to run at 95. But um, they're going to have 32, 23, 20 coming down. They're going to slam the run game right behind it. So, you know, if we just cannot run the ball and they stuff McCaffrey, and Christian's tough, even when it's well blocked, he'll get more. But this, you know, they're, they're going to load up and take him away. You're going to have to make throws as well to win this game. And your corners are obviously, you know, McDuffie's a great player. Sneed's a great player. You know, Watson, when you bring 35 in, is a great player. So, you know, even... Number two can play, Williams. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but that's they all know that. So then how do we adjust when Spag starts loading that box? And he's saying what you're saying. McCaffrey's the best player in the league. Everything runs through McCaffrey, so we're going to take McCaffrey out of this game. Right now we're joined by Greg Papa. He is the play-by-play voice for the San Francisco 49ers, getting you ready for Super Bowl 58 between Kansas City and San Francisco. Greg, I've got my questions about the San Francisco defense. I didn't have many of them over the course of the regular season. I mean, these two defenses, so Kansas City allowed 294 points. San Francisco allowed 298. So these two defenses wow. were, were pretty I'm comparable. I'm stealing that note, by the way. You can have that one. These two defenses were pretty comparable through over the course of the season. They were not comparable in the postseason. What happened to San Francisco's defense? What's changed the last Well, I, when you go back and do the breakdown, you know, I'd take it from when Talanohu Funga our safety all-pro last year got hurt. And Jair Brown's played well. He's missed some games. Logan Ryan's mixed in. I think with Ufunga, he's the guy, like I was talking about with Justin Reed, that just comes down and slams the run, sometimes blitzes off the edge, an extra edge setter. So losing Ufunga hurt us. And then, you know, there were games. They go back and watch the Cleveland game early in the year. Bill Callahan, their great offensive line coach, now he's with his son. Brian, who got a head coaching job in the NFL in Carolina, they ran what's, you know, the old days, they call it a, 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 a toss crack. Now it's a pin and a pole where an outside receiver or tight end cracks down on a defensive end. They pull the tackle and the guard out. They, they ran that play all year against us. We couldn't stop it early in the year. And now that we've lost Cleveland Furl, our defensive end, who was starting opposite of Nick Bosa, the former Raider, high draft pick, um, Chase Young's been playing more in that spot, and they're picking on him. They're they're ear holding him. The way our ends come up the field, it's a wide nine. They just get up the field, and so if you have a, a, a wide receiver, tight end, you know Watson could do it for you. Eighty four, he's a good blocker. He's a big guy, or you know send you know you can send either one of the tight ends, uh, the receivers, whoever, and he's just getting up the field, and all of a sudden you got a, a wide receiver just ear holding him, cracking him. That's the pin. And then you run that side, and you bring the tackle and the guard out. Now, all of a sudden, you got two mammoth men pulling, and you're getting to the edge. So our run defense has not been good. They picked on us all year with that play. Cleveland showed them with Bill Callahan how to do it, and then teams just kept doing it. Green Bay would do it with a different action. They would do it with a play called a flip 90, where you fake the jet sweep motion going one way, and you flip the back going the other way. Aaron Jones got the edge that way. Obviously uh, Detroit trampled us early in the game. They ran a Z reverse with Jamison Williams, their fast receiver, getting out to the edge and we were sloppy on the backside and he ran for a touchdown. What Andy does so well 
is that jet sweep motion. Remember the game he played you last year in October in, at Levi's? McCole Hardman had three touchdowns all in the same action, whether it's a jet pass or a jet sweep. It's a jet sweep when the quarterback's under center and he turns and hands it. It's a jet pass when the quarterback's in the gun and he flips it to you. Either way, he scored three touchdowns, all going to Nick Bosa's side. They didn't block Bosa. They influence blocked him where he thought he's getting blocked. His the footwork of the lineman. Andy Andy Reid's a genius in offensive football and in particular offensive line nuanced. So how is he going to get to the edge on us? Is he going to run pin and pull, toss cracks? Maybe. I know he's going to run jet sweeps. So whatever it is, your your, your offense is sophisticated. Andy's over there, by the way, the fan Andy Reid. <laughs> He heard me talking about it. Didn't you be coaching your team, Coach? What are you doing here? And the, the Andy impersonator. It's unbelievable. But anyway, um, we'll see how it all. Now, we got to set the edge. We, now, if you start setting the edge too much, they're going to run Pacheco inside. That's the yin and the yang, where they've been watching tape. We all have. We know where the weakness is. They're going to attack it. Then we're going to stop that. We don't worry. If you're going to beat us on the edge, then, you know, Chase Young set the edge. All right, now. He's out wide. He's setting the edge. We'll lift him right underneath. And they'll run Pacheco right under him. So that it's it's the like I was talking pre-snap, post-snap. You have thoughts how you want to do it in the game, and then you know you have to adjust when the game gets played. Let me get you two more questions, and I'll right. get you out of here. The yeah. first question is about Patrick Mahomes. You mentioned that you were the play-by-play voice for the Raiders for 20 years. Now you're in San Francisco. You have seen all the great quarterbacks of the last 30, 35 years. Where does Patrick Mahomes rank on your list? Pure skill. Damn, I don't know. I see John Elway in him. Um, Randall Cunningham is a great thrower. Um, Dan Marino, Joe Namath, when I was a kid with no knees and flicked the ball 60 yards. He's, uh, he's amazing. He's uh, Coming out of college, I didn't like him. I thought he was reckless and he held the ball down low and throwing sidearm. What's he doing? He's, he's uber talented. And now beyond that, the talent's obvious. It's the... Um, it's the mind, the way he's able to manage the game like a great player. i got to go in two minutes. All right, I'll get you out of here with this last question. Then we ask everybody this question. Give me your Chiefs win-if scenario. Give me your Niners win-if scenario. The Niners is McCaffrey. And us. And not only McCaffrey. It could be Elijah Mitchell. It could be Debo Samuel. If you're loading up my McCaffrey, we have something called 11 Tyson, which is, you know, Debo's given name is Tyson. But Kyle Shanahan can't pronounce it, so it's 11 Tyson. <laughs> and they 11 personnel, Debo comes in motion and lines up in the backfield. Deadpool, they call it. If Debo could be a runner and get to the edge. If you're keen on McCaffrey, we'll send McCaffrey one direction. Three guys go with McCaffrey. We go the other direction. So I think just overall volume of runs. Can we run the ball 30 times? We run the ball 30 times, we win. And then on the other side, what do we do with Kelsey? You know, how to look for possibility of Charverius Ward in certain situations on third down that he's the guy who follows Kelsey around with that length, the fact that he knows him. Well, I don't think they practice much against each other. He's our best cover corner. Your best Rasheed Rice is good, but on third down, we know where Mahomes is going. He's going to 87. What if we put seven right over him? That is the play-by-play voice of the San Francisco 49ers, Greg Papa, joining us Thank on the show so today. Much, Greg, thanks a Good lot for your you, insight and helping us break down Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you put Charvarius Ward man coverage on Travis Kelsey, 
he gonna end up on some highlights on on Sports Center's top ten. It ain't gonna be good for him. That's a slow death. That's like Blitz yeah. and Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, if you want to know what happened, you you put your your best man, you put one of your best, or if not your best man, cover guy on Travis Kelsey and see how that go. Call Kyle Hamilton up. Ask him what happened on that on that first drive from the Chiefs. You want to know what happened? Call Derwin James up. Derwin James been getting cooked by Kelsey one on one for years. I mean, I watched in 22 when the Chiefs was playing in uh, in L.A. and uh, Travis Kelsey got him one-on-one a couple times. He was able to catch it on crossers and take it to the house. Ask Derwin what happened. You put him one-on-one against Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, if that's how you want to do it, if that's what Steve Wilkes want to do, he want to dial up a, a man coverage play and have him go one-on-one with Kelsey, sure. But... I, I don't think that's what you want to do on those downs. I think you want to be a little bit more resourceful than that. You get him one-on-one man coverage. I don't think that's going to go well for Charverius Ward. And I like that kid. He was very good when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, there's a lot of talk about Andy Reid possibly retiring. I give you my thoughts on that next. Twenty minutes left here in the show. Chiefs extended coverage here on Six Ten Sports Radio. Big game coverage is brought to you by Community Community America Credit Union. Community America Credit Union is proud to be the exclusive banking partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Get your Chiefs checking account, including the exclusive Chiefs debit card, at ChiefsChecking.com. Com. So many C's. There's a lot of them. Yeah. I, and I, for some reason, cannot say community today. So <laughs> I've been struggling with that for the last three hours. I am sorry to Community America Credit Union. <laughs> I have an account with them, too. So And they're going to be like, yo, uh, this man, be, he even has a C in his name. <laughs> they're going to hit me up like, nah, dog, take your money out. You're gone. <laughs> I, I say, I'm sorry, guys. I just can't say the word community correctly. Um. So for the last, I mean, it has to be the last month because Mike Florio has been talking about it for a while. Um, the There's been this talk all week about the potential that Andy Reid may retire at the end of the season. And uh, a lot of it has been, this all started a year ago when uh, Jay Glazer asked him during an interview in the lead up to the Super Bowl uh, about you know, what What does retirement look like? How how far off do you think that is? And Andy was vague because, look, that's how Andy answers every question that isn't about a cool play that he ran in the game they just played in. Andy's very mum about everything. He doesn't give very many answers at all. And so a lot of people took that as an acknowledgement that he may retire after that game. He obviously did not. Um, and he came back. He kind of after the game was like, yeah, I'm not really retiring. I'm not retiring. I'm not really thinking about that. Like, and, you know, reassured everyone. Obviously, he came back. They're back in the Super Bowl again. And now the discussion naturally comes up because Mike Florio needs to fill time on pro football talk. And uh, it's been spreading around. You had Jason McIntyre who was looking to fill time when he was filling in for Colin Coward on the herd. And he put that out there. 
And then all of a sudden now you've got all these different media outlets reporting on it. Um, I just got a notification from ESPN today where you had Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler talking about the potential. First off, everything we've heard from people who actually know what they're talking about know that, you know, everything, all the talk surrounding him is that he's not anywhere near retiring. He's still got two years left on his contract. Everything that I, I know that I have heard about the situation, anyone else here has heard, that there's no indication he will retire. Every indication that is that he will more than likely finish out the two years on his contract, and then we'll see what happens. And um, why would he retire? Like uh, This is the why? greatest time of his career. Yeah. He's just enjoying <laughs> life, and now, now you want to retire. He's getting cheeseburgers yeah. everywhere. Four Super Bowls it's in five years. He's in State Farm commercials. I mean, Andy is living the life. And, like I don't think I ever remember a coach in the – in their prime, during their career in this many commercials. Like, how many former coaches do you see in this many commercials like that? None. Like, like seriously, like Jimmy Johnson, I think, might have had some commercials and whatnot. You know, Bill Cowers, I think. I think Bill Cowers had some Subway commercials in the past. But, like, not like this. I mean, Andy's on all the things. He can, you, is, can you do it with the little nuggies? Yeah, like the nuggies <laughs> yeah. are hilarious. He's got, I think he's got like what three or four State Farm commercials. Like he's out here living the life, but everyone's you know talking about that right now. And how many do it? We talk about coaches doing commercials. How many do it with their players that they're playing? Right, their coach. You don't see that. Like, right, you definitely don't see that. And so I, I just kind of feel like the Andy retirement retirement talk is just filler. It's because like look, talking the X's and O's. Like you just heard from like Greg Papa, not something that's going to draw everyone in. Not all of us are football nerds like me and love watching those videos on YouTube where they break down coverages and you see all the different passing attacks. Not all these guys are out here uh, following the people on Twitter where you're you're getting those, you know, all 22 clips and whatnot. It's, that's just not what everyone's into. Some people are really interested in the entertainment aspect of it, and that's cool. That's that's how most people are. That I respect that. But I just feel like the Andy Reid talk is just talk. It's just people trying to fill time, people trying to put a conversation out there. And I think it's a lot of wishful thinking, too, because you got to remember, those guys root for teams, too. Like Mike Florio is a Steelers fan you're a Steelers fan, you're probably hoping that Andy Reid retires. Uh, Mike Florio is actually the Vikings. Is he the Vikings? Yeah. I, I could have sworn he was. I thought he was a Steelers fan. Well, I always see him with a Vikings jersey. No, he's, he was because like before the Chiefs played the Steelers, he acknowledged he was a Steelers okay. fan. Then, okay. Maybe he's a Vikings fan too. I don't know. Man, uh, he might be a fan of anybody. <laughs> yeah, he might, he might be a Vikings fan too. I don't know. Some people root for two teams. But like it makes sense that you would want Andy Reid to retire because you don't he's an obstacle to your team having the kind of success that, that the Chiefs are having. So uh I I get it. I completely understand why people would be like that. And I just feel like people are are making this out, excuse me, making this out as some sort of story when no indication has come out that he's interested in it. No indication has come out that he's thinking about it. It's literally just he might. Even even in his article where he wrote it like a month ago, he said, oh, there's no indication that it, it's happening, but it could happen because, you know, last year, that answer to the question. That's literally the whole premise behind the article in the first place. 
And I know that these questions are getting tossed around. Chiefs fans are worried. I've been asked a few times. I, I do not think he will retire. I think that this is very much uh, just another year for him. He's having the time of his life. He's making a lot of money off of commercials and off of the game. And he has the perfect quarterback for what he wants to do. There's not that many chances you get in your career as a coach to coach potentially the greatest quarterback in NFL history. There's a, See, if you're in his position and you still got it, and Andy Reid loves football, this ain't a job. This is his life for him. You don't get very many opportunities to go and do what he does. And if you still got it, you take advantage of it. That's the reason why I don't think Travis Kelsey retires either, because if you still got it, you take advantage of it. Coming up next, we've got some Chiefs roster news, plus we give our predictions for the game here on uh, Chiefs Extended Coverage. Final few minutes here. Chris Inocero, JT Noah. A little bit of Chiefs roster news here. Uh, James Palmer from the uh, NFL Network reports that the Chiefs officially activated running back Jarek McKinnon off of IR. They elevated nose tackle Mike Pinnell off of the practice from the practice squad, and they placed guard Joe Tooney on IR. So Joe Tooney, which they already announced was not going to play, is officially off the uh, the active roster. He is on IR with his uh, torn pec. Uh, so very, very sad situation for him. Uh, wish all the best for his recovery. Mike Pinnell, though, elevation is good for them. They need a little bit more depth with Charles Aminahue being placed on IR earlier this week. And then Jarek McKinnon, who has not played since the latter part of the season. The groin injury is a game-time decision tomorrow. Uh, This kind of tells me, though, if they elevated him off of IR, that there's a good chance he plays. They're probably using the game-time decision designation just to be safe. But I think that this is good news for the Chiefs. And if you get Jarek McKinnon in this game, now all of a sudden third down, two-minute warning situation, you got yourself your best receiving back, your best pass protection back on the field. I'm actually really excited about this move. It's a very under, like sneaky, great elevation here for the Kansas City Chiefs. So we've got a couple minutes here left in the show. Uh, JT. What's your score prediction, and how do you think this game turns out? Yeah, so I have the game going 27-23 Chiefs. I think the defense sets the tone early, and the Chiefs get off. They get a nice lead at half. They're up, I'll say they'll be up 17-10 to 10 at half. They get 10 points in the second half, and then it dials down. They get the 10 points early within the third quarter. It dials down, and they play that kind of slow game where they're just – leaning on their defense. Defense gets after Brock Purdy, causes a couple turnovers, and they win that game. I I think that's probably the formula they, they're going to have to win in this game. I, it's safe. It works. I think the Chiefs get up early, and I think they just play tower defense after that. Um, I've got this one a little bit lower scoring. I've got it 24-19. I think the, uh, I think the Niners, like the Chiefs will have an 11-point lead. They'll get a, the Niners will get a touchdown, try to go for two to, to get it within three points. They don't get it. And then after that, Chiefs just run out the clock. They get a dub. And uh, Chiefs win their third Super Bowl in four appearances. 
And uh, I think we all go home happy or we are at home and we stay happy. So um, thank you to JT Noah for doing all the hard work today. Thank you for taking time out of your afternoon to listen to us talk about this Kansas City Chiefs team. I'm Chris Nocero. And this has been the Chiefs extended coverage here on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Let's go Chiefs.